welcome to another this, uh, perceptive podcast here on the Game Wisdom channel. We're running this late tonight. It's after 10 here, but this one is certainly worth it. My guest tonight is the game developer who is most famously known for the hit game Plants vs. Zombies. He also released last year the game Octageddon, and we're not only going to be talking about that, but we're celebrating 10 years of plants fighting zombies. He is currently at the studio All Yes Good, and this has been a talk I've been very excited about for some time. So please welcome to the podcast, game designer George Fan. Brains. There we go. But Hi, I everyone. I don't have a piece Just kidding, I'm not a zombie. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, no. <laughs> you just scared everybody there, George. <laughs> yeah, it's great to be here. Uh, I look forward to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've been excited about this one for some time as well. I was just telling George, I was at his talk back in 2012 when he discussed casual game design and making Plants vs. Zombies appealing for even his Muller to play. I, and it was just a fascinating talk. Yeah, that was such... A cool thing for me to be able to do. I'm, I'm, I think as far as like design goes, that is the kind of, you know, I, I talk to a lot of designers. Every, every designer has their thing that they're kind of more passionate about within game design. And mine is definitely, I, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about, oh, how do I, you know, how, how do I distill the game, this game down, make it kind of like appeal to just, you know, all kinds of people to make it like the easiest to play. Like, does is this game more complicated than it needs to be? Um, how do I teach these these um, the mechanics within my game? So yeah, that is just the kind of stuff that I I spend a lot of time thinking about. And so it was just able to uh, pass on some of that knowledge, some of the stuff I've just been spent spending all my brain cycles on. And yeah, so if you haven't watched it, listeners out there. Go check it out. I highly recommend it. Definitely. And as I was telling George, a lot of that discussion regarding not only casual gameplay, but also just UI design and kind of teaching the player in terms of like almost like a, um, I forget the term that I use, almost like a, a organic tutorial I've referenced very frequently in many of the videos here on the channel. And Yeah, I think of it as like you are... It's like kind of like teaching in disguise, right? Mm -hmm. Like you are not yep. the 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 player doesn't realize they're getting taught. Ideally, they 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 just they're just having fun playing the game. Um, I keep saying like Plants vs Zombies Adventure Mode is kind of like one giant tutorial to teach you how to play the game, mm -hmm. and I think I think that's right. If you look at it that way, it, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And there is definitely so much for us to talk about tonight. And as I was just telling George beforehand, I talked about Plants for the Zombies in my first book. For those of you who are new, uh, my book is out now, 20 Essential Games to Study. And one of the major reasons for that, again, was just the design of Plants for the Zombies and how it really did like appeal to everyone. Like I call, I think I... I use the subtitle like the most hardcore casual game ever made with that discussion. <laughs> That's a pretty apt description. I, I was just one of the things I am most proud of about that game is that, so I released it um, and I just, you know, 
not too long before that, I had been working at Blizzard and I sent the game to a bunch of my coworkers and friends at Blizzard. They all got back to me with like, oh, like, you know, I played through the whole thing. I had a blast, like, or like, like hardcore gamer types. And meanwhile, I also, you know, well, as as that talk told you, my my mom beat the whole game. My dad, who's not much of a gamer, beat the whole thing as well. And I, I just kept hearing story after story of like, I'm someone who doesn't really play games, but I uh, I picked up Plants vs. Zombies. Like it, for a lot of them, it was the, their first experience to kind of like a more strategic kind of gameplay. So I'm just so proud of that. Like that that just makes me so happy to be able to do something like that. And yeah, that is I, I do think that is a result of uh, the emphasis on, you know, distilling the game down, making sure like there's there's nothing in the game that that like you build the game up to be something that will be easy to teach. And then you have something where uh, all kinds of audiences can enjoy it. Yeah. And the fact that the gameplay loop itself, as you said, like for a lot of people it was like their first time experiencing that like for people like myself and i'm sure for a lot of my regulars watching this right now we've you know uh, gr- uh grit our teeth or we sharpen our nails on tower defense gameplay for so many <laughs> years but it was still engaging for us like for people who've experienced the genre before like um one of my favorite parts of that talk was when you discussed the whole challenge of sunflowers and knowing mm-hmm. how many of those to put down, how to educate the player. And again, it's like one of the, it's one of those fascinating things about game design. Like for like general consumer, it looks like, you know, you just did your first iteration and, you know, it worked, we're done. But no, it took a lot of refining to drill that down to re- get to the point where somebody who's never played a tower defense game would understand that mechanic. That was that was probably like game design wise the biggest decision. That, well, it had the most ramifications in in making that decision. So, a lo- like just a quick background. Um, if you want the full deets, you can go and, and watch the talk. But um, to summarize, it was that I initially costed the pea shooter, which is the first plant you get that you know fires at fires peas at the enemies, mm-hmm. and I I costed that a hundred sun and i costed the sunflower 100 sun as well and i was working at popcap and popcap's audiences are all kinds of game players there's you know there are people who never played anything other than casual games and so we were just thinking about okay well how would they how would they react to you know how would they play this out if if the sunflower is 100 and the pea shooter is 100 and what we were saying is like you have zombies coming at you and you only have 100 sun what like you're you're gonna you're not gonna like you've never played a game where you're building out your economy you know like i i played a bunch of starcraft in the day and like i knew like oh you well you can't you can't do anything if you don't build up your SEVs, for instance right but um we couldn't count on people like this this whole new audience who's never played like an rts to get that sunflowers are probably the most important plant to to plant so we were just having like we we're having trouble like what are these what do these um, players do they like they're seeing something coming at you they're they're you're getting antagonized by zombies of course you just plant pea shooters against them and thus your economy doesn't doesn't build up like so we we were having that problem um we talked about tons of different like 
solutions to it. And I was kind of just inspired by, uh, it's, it's, it's my Fisher price solution. That's what I call it. It's like, uh, I, I watch like a baby play with like a baby toy and they just like basically tap on whatever's lit up, you know? Um, and so I thought, okay, so we have this UI where, uh, things that you can't afford are dimmed and things that you can't afford are lit up. So if you just played by clicking on things that are lit, like you, like we want, I, I wanted to encourage that to being like a, a viable way to play. And so, uh, I made the sunflower. By the way, this is, this is not the short version of this I, I'm, I'm finding. Um, I mean, I made, maybe there's no way to, to condense this, but I made the sunflower 50 sun so that, uh, you would start the level out and whenever you, you know, there would be when you, when you're under a hundred and when you're at like 50 sun itself, like the sunflower is lit up, but the pea shooter is not. So you would tend to just like, if you didn't know anything about how strategy games work, how real time strategy games, just like click on the things that were lit up for you and just place them on, on the battlefield. And, but like I said before, that had the, that was the decision with the most, like I knew in making that I'd be like this, George. You're just you're maybe a hundred hours of work. I don't know. If it was it was a lot of hours of work because some some uh, change like that where you are changing your your main economy producing unit and you're having the price of it. That is like that just has like a ripple effect that goes yeah. to the whole entire game, right? I had to play the whole game through like three or four more times adjusting the prices of everything kind of like fundamentally changing how suns drop from the sky and the rate of like, like I know that the rate wasn't like, I didn't just have the rate of sun being put out from when I changed the price from hundred to 50. And so I just had to play all through the whole thing again to make sure the game still felt good just because I wanted players who had never played a strategy game before to have to stand in a chance. And we, we didn't do just that. We did things like, uh, if you didn't plant three sunflowers, I, I, I do this kind of, uh, um, I guess it's a reactive kind of messaging system in a lot of my games where it's like, if you're playing correctly, we don't spam you with messages that you, like, if you already know what to do, a lot of times we don't spam you with kind of telling you to do this because we're pretty sure you already know. However, we do have like cases built into the game. So if you are not doing the thing we want you to do, we, uh, we kind of like prod you and like just remind you to tell you to do things in the right direction. So if you, uh, on the first few levels, also, if you don't plant three sunflowers, it kind of like gently reminds you, Hey, uh, you, you know, I forget what it says, but it's something to the extent of, Hey, you need plant, you need to plant your sunflowers. If you want to, if you want to survive the zombies, something, something like that. Hmm. So we, we attacked from many angles, but the biggest one was just changing the price of the sunflower. So that's lit up more often. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I should mention just uh, you used to start every level with 200 sun. So you, I, I thought it'd be cool to have a few things you could plant right away. And I changed that. I also changed that to you starting every level with 50 sun so that you just flat out can't plant a pea shooter right away. You can only plant your sun. And so I think that also kind of encouraged people to just to, to uh, plant only sunflowers at the beginning. And yeah. that was not uh, George. I just I don't want to be a bearer of bad news, but that was not the short answer. To that. that was not. That was, yeah, I, I probably shouldn't preface things 
but okay the short answer is this from now on because yes that took <laughs> yeah that took a lot a while to explain right i part of that talk is i uh i emphasize try to use as few words as possible <laughs> when you're trying to get your tutorial messages across and i did not do that very well just now um i think it is very different when you're kind of conversing and you're displaying stuff on a screen but yeah. yes that is yeah, I did not follow my own advice, <laughs> if that is my own advice. Yes. That is all right. I won't ding you too much for that, George. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, again, like, for the regulars watching, you know I love these discussions. So, I mean, like, this is like a cake for me. Like, I'm just sitting here enjoying like, listening to you talk about it. And, yeah, like, uh, that's one of the most fascinating aspects of game design right there. Again, is that most people will never see or understand the work that goes into making these very simple things. And with the Sunflower example, like having to basically, as you said, replay your game multiple times, because again, like when you change a core mechanic of your game, it's not as simple as just saying, I'm going to make this character do five points of damage, or I'm going to make this guy jump a little bit more. It changes everything. Like um, mm -hmm. in my the book that I'm writing right now about platformer design that's due out later this year, I said, like, if you change your jumping system, that changes everything. Like, you can't just make little changes like that and expect everything to still be working. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Have Not having made a platformer yet, <laughs> like a true one, but I can totally imagine that. Yeah. Like, there, and there's a lot of stuff... Based on what I've seen about platforms, there's a lot of stuff you can change about jumping. It's not just like the force, which would, with, yep. like, it's like there's hang time. There's like, there's just how much you can move left and right during the jump, right? There's like yep. so much stuff uh, oh, to yes. make, it, make it. Yeah, uh, the last two months, I was playing like nothing but platformers. Like on stream, I just went through like the whole Nest Nest back catalog playing. Oh, what, what were some of the ones you, you played? I, oh, I might have played. Some. Uh, we played a Batman, the nineteen. I think it was nineteen eighty eight one by oh, Sunsoft. The Sunsoft, yeah. yes. Uh, I, I especially love the music. From, oh yes. from that game. Oh, the tunes are so great. Mm -hmm. I yeah. don't remember the, if the gameplay was it was holds. super excellent. Was it? Was it? It holds up for the most part. The wall jumping is just very fascinating in that game. Like it's it's just like a it was com it's commonplace now, but it was so weird playing that back in the old days. Um, Mike and chat were my, oh good they're uh, my regulars kind of came along for the ride of some like the weirder or the horror ones so I played a uh, Michael oh, no Jordan Chaos in the Windy City which is I haven't even heard of that one lucky what? you it, it's basically a uh, Michael Jordan having to save the Chicago Bulls from zombies and a, a mad scientist wow who, I guess I don't know if he wanted so to take over basketball or if he just really wanted his own team. Huh. So it was just a skippable, completely skippable experience. What is there a reason you played like all kind like you played a few like good examples mm -hmm. and you also just like is there an, also a lot to learn from the just the horrendous ones as well? Yeah, like especially in terms of like a level design and even just how the jumping feels in your hands. Like one that you guys haven't mentioned yet, chat was the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. For the Super Nintendo, <laughs> it is a punishing game. That is just yikes. The at one point the game actually jokes at you and says, you know, it would be a shame if you lost your last continue to restart this entire game over again. I almost swear on stream when they when that message <laughs> came up. 
But like, yeah, the, the platforming was rock solid in that. Like, it felt responsive, but yep. the levels were just frustrating to play. Um, let's see. Uh, Oscar is bringing up Tom and Jerry. There was like two or three Tom and Jerry games. Oh, Hook. Uh, the game based, of course, on the movie. That was actually really good. Like, I was not expecting to enjoy Hook as much as I did, but that oh. one was a really good one. Do you remember? Did it? Do you remember what company? Did, I think it was Hook. Sony. I think this was during that era when Sony was still making games for uh, SNES. Uh, Let me see. Oh, was no it way. Sony? So. In my experience, if you so, first of all, they uh, back then they had a category that they would rate games on that mm-hmm. wasn't graphics, game, gameplay, music, and sound. Uh, any remember they used to have a category called play control. Uh, like they would give you they would give you four out of five stars on mm-hmm. play control, and because that was just like I feel like so many more games get that right now, but mm-hmm. back then it wasn't. It wasn't a guarantee like you, you, you could be, you know, like maybe you're really in the market for a game with good play control. So you'd read these like game magazines to figure out which one of those are. I found that you couldn't really go wrong if you were either playing, you know, a Nintendo first party Nintendo game or Capcom or Konami. I feel like those those three had play control down pretty pat. Yeah, Um, I think if you outside of those. Three, it was just a crapshoot. Like yeah. you could, right? Oh um, uh, uh, yeah. Like I speaking of double jumping, like Ninja, the first Ninja Gaiden. Oh. I think you could like scale up walls, but it was just. I just remember it being like. Well, I mean, that was, that was part of the difficulty mm-hmm. of the game. Was it was really to kind of to do that. Mm-hmm. I remember the wall, the wall climbing being very like, yeah, not 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 as responsive as as you would like, and not as like. I mean. It would kind of be inexcusable nowadays in a, in, a, in a, any yeah. any platform right now. Oh yeah, we played. I went through all three Ninja Gaiden on stream, and that was uh, like it's one of those really weird cases where the gameplay is responsive, like there's no issues there, but the mm-hmm. level design was just a nightmare. Like when you yeah. die, you have to restart like entire like four levels over again. Oh yep. my god! Like yeah. Yeah, it. I remember. I remember when you died. At least in the first one, this whole screen would cycle in like all rainbow colors to kind of take the edge off. Like you're all like, "Whoa, I, it's so frustrating to have to start over." But at least I get to see rainbow colors. <laughs> no, we yeah. weren't having any of that. Uh, Castlevania, we played. Um, I the even first pl- one? Uh, we played one. The, the whole series. I played through like I I beat the first one. I beat four. You beat it? Yeah. Whoa skills i i i couldn't beat the first one until like much later and i and i, I went back to it and just like practiced over and over but yeah yeah i Those still haven't the, game and the third one were really challenging yeah i'd be number three yet no and number two that was the one that was just like horrible in terms of like playability or just like understanding what was going on in that game i i think that one of the three most if you ask most people of yeah, that's kind of the the black sheep of of the early Castlevanias. I don't know why I I always liked that one the most, just because it the 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 it had the atmosphere where you switch from night and night and day, and then when that message comes on screen, it's just like chilling to the bone. Mm-hmm. Like when it's like, what a horrible night to have a curse, and it was just kind of like it 
it kind of started the uh, my favorite kind of Castlevania game. Like it had a, just the beginnings of kind of like a more Metroidvania kind of gameplay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it had it had flaws, but I for me that one Castlevania Two is actually controversial opinion my favorite of the first three. Whoa, Mm-mm. <laughs> you aren't having. You 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 didn't like it much at all. I I could appreciate. I did like it in terms of like the exploration. I will say that music, like the curse music, is still stuck in my head. Like I can still hear that. <laughs> it was it just like got in there. It's not getting out. I did beat that one like way back in the day, but I do know I use a Nintendo guide for that one. That was pretty much <laughs> that was not me winning by skill alone. That was yeah. There's a lot of really kind of hard to figure out stuff like maybe it's because of the time i played it too it's just like i had i had more time and i could just you know repeat a section over and over or just like keep exploring on these like cryptic clues that actually weren't even clues to kind of like yeah figure out where you're supposed to go next Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. i recognize there's there's flaws with that game but yeah, yeah the yeah the the uh the nighttime music and the daytime music are just like so awesome. Uh, I'll, a quick aside, when I first started playing Minecraft, I don't think it had music at that point, and I would just queue up the, the daytime music and nighttime music on, on my MP3 player and play those, like from, from Castlevania 2. So when it, was, when, it was, when it was daytime, I would play the daytime music, and when it was nighttime in Minecraft, I would switch to the nighttime music. That made the experience even more awesome. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was great. Um, Anyways... Yeah, so many. Uh, again, there's just such a very wide berth in terms of platformer design. Um, I'm trying to think of, like the very weird ones. Oh, we played. Uh, oh, and the chat wants to know if you did get the link to the chat because I think a few people. I did. I, okay. I am seeing <laughs> what is being chatted. So the I think the absolute like weirdest one I played was Blues Brothers for the Super Nintendo. That game made no Whoa. damn sense whatsoever. I'm pretty sure they must have reskinned another game and used the Blues Brothers license for that. Okay, yeah, I might have to check that one out then. Just like, all kinds of wacky. Yeah, for instance, you eat cake and then you grow muscles. Because that was oh, in the yeah, Blues that, Brothers movie. Typical <laughs> Blues Brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did miss some, like, the... Oh my goodness! There's so many classic games. Like I was talking to like the people about this. Like, like it's the strange thing about the game industry. Like there are so many games out now. Like I don't think I'll ever have the time to actually sit down and give them all like the attention they deserve. Like even like right now, I'm like running through my head all the games that I miss that I could have played on the NES and the SNES for the book. Yeah. What uh, are there? Did you play any of the? Contra series. Oh yes, and okay. As my uh, right. badge well of honor, I did beat that without needing the thirty live code. Oh, impressive! I did it, and I beat. I think I also beat Cuphead like a few weeks after that too. Oh yeah, right. That's a Contra con sort of as yeah. well. Wait, you said you beat Contra afterward. No, I beat so Contra. Kind of- I did beat Cuphead when it came out. I actually played that like one night on stream, like the day it came out. I just sat there and beat the whole thing right there because I was waiting for that game for so long. Yes, yes. Uh, Yeah. um, Yeah. Oh, I have a soft spot for like Contra, Run and Gun, Mm -hmm. Gunstar Heroes, that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. You you get it. You get it. Oh yes. 
Um, oh, and the people, nobody's brought this up yet in chat, but while it's not a platformer, I did play Jaws and Friday the 13th, the two LJN games from back in the day. Okay. That was yeah. an experience. Let's just put it like that. <laughs> right. If I remember right, I think LJN was like a toy company. So yeah, they, they got a lot They wouldn't be the best at making games necessarily, or they're just... Right. Yeah, even more so back then, if a game was a licensed game, you just, like, really off of it. Yeah. Like, it was probably... Well, no, the exception was the um, the game, the Capcom games that were, like, the the Disney series oh, they had. Yes. Those were those were pretty good. Oh, yeah, I got that Disney Afternoon collection. That was a lot of fun. DuckTales, mm -hmm. uh, Rescue Rangers. Yeah, those were all solid, solid games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like, um, getting, trying to, uh, Oscar remind me, like, again, we could sit here and just reminisce, and I'm, I'm very <laughs> yeah, inclined to do that. Mm -hmm. I could, yep. we could ease, right. <laughs> I could just be this guy <laughs> easily. Right. Episode right. one but, of 15. <laughs> right. But, you know, right. We can, we can, I, I am, I am no expert in that stuff. I'm just a fan of it. So we can go ahead and move on to stuff yeah. that's. And yet, like Perhaps I said, more. George, I am more than happy to have you back on. You know, if you won't come back tomorrow, I'm not complaining. <laughs> I'll talk to you. <laughs> we can have this chat as long as you want. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We have many more NES games to, to go through. Oh, yes. But uh, uh, trying to, I guess, steer the boat back on course here, there was one thing that I yeah. wanted to bring up. Like, as you were saying earlier, in terms of how a lot of the older magazines had, like, play controls or playability, I remember GamePro mm -hmm. used to have Fun Factor. and Fun Factor, yeah. That was one of those very weird things. Like, I've heard, like, from a lot of game journalists use Fun use the word fun like they say it's a four-letter word like it's very hard no. to describe a game as being fun yeah that's that's kind of a, a a thing in the games industry as well like there are certain designers that are shy away from using the word fun because it they feel like it doesn't really mean much like it can just mm -hmm. be used to like it doesn't have a like 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 they would rather you describe why you like the game without using the word fun, for instance. And uh, yeah, I just don't have that kind of vocabulary. So sometimes I will say a game is fun if I love it. But yeah, the fun factor was back in the day was because, I mean, they broke it down into graphics, sound and play control and fun factor. And that was, I mean, really that was the most important category. That is probably like if you, if you, you know, if you just, Look at modern reviews where they just give you one. You give you one number score. That is the fun factor is a majority of that score. And so, yeah, back in the day, they broke it down for you. Like a lot of times, even back then, fun factor is what you looked at for if you to know if you wanted to get a game or not. And like we were just having this conversation on the stream before this one, and we were talking about how much of an importance like gameplay can mean to certain people and. It's one of those very tricky concepts because we've seen games that have very deep gameplay but may not be best in terms of presentation, while other games are really good in terms mm -hmm. of presentation, but there may be issues with the gameplay. And even if you're comparing games of the same genre. Oh, yeah. I mean, if I had to choose one, it'd be like, like we've seen, right. Uh, if Okay, so if I, in terms of like... 
what I want to shine in a game I make, it's definitely the gameplay over the presentation. However, I think to a certain, right, I think, let's see, maybe one matters more the less, the fewer games you play in general. Like, I think presentation is very important if you, if this isn't the thousandth game you've played. But I think that starts to, like, as you play more games and you look unique, really, really good experiences, I think you start to favor the gameplay over the presentation more because like if you hear about a game that's just like, oh, you have to play this because the gameplay is just amazing, then I feel like that's what you gravitate to more as you mature as a like a gamer. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be that'd be the distinction I I could imagine between the two. Yeah. Um but you just, you know, I think you as a as a game dev, you do want to put enough you do want to put enough of your effort into both, right? I think, are we are we including like polish in 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 the presentation part of things? I would say I yes. Think, yeah. Then I think yeah, that's what a lot of times like really separates your game from the pack is is the polish that you can put on a game. Um, Plants vs Zombies wouldn't have been what it was if develop it like we did. So the game took three and a half years to make. We could have shipped it two and a half years into things. Like if the like the main game modes were all existing, and if we want to say, all right, put it put the game out now, like I I would have been plenty happy to do that. However, for just a variety of reasons, we decided to kind of keep polishing the game for that last year, and we added we added a bunch of new game modes at the end, um, balanced the game to a to a sheen. And I think, yeah, that's the I think separates games. Um, helped Plants vs Zombies stand out from all all other games that were coming. Out. It's the uh, having worked at Blizzard and PopCap, they both companies kind of had the same philosophy, which is just like generally, it's just make make the game as awesome you can as you. We don't we we ship the game when it's done and. With with a real emphasis on uh, polish, so I've I've just had been fortunate enough to work at two companies that kind of shared that shared that mentality about game making. Which mm-hmm. um, I mean, both companies have had lots of success. I think, yeah, I think these are these. It is definitely like I realize not every company has that luxury, but, but given given the fl- if you have if you have the means to do this, like that is a good way to go. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely been, I think, a major part, kind of, I think, the growth of the independent scene over the last, we could probably say like five, maybe, maybe arguably like 10 years at this point in terms of when the indie scene really started to blow up, especially with the rise of Steam and the like. And yes, it's one of those things that, like, as you said, George, like it really, I think, separates the good from the amazing games. Like... I'm sure, like, yourself and, like, the chat here, we've played plenty of games from the independent space over the last decade. And there are games out there that have really great game mechanics, but are just horrible in terms of their presentation. Like, we've used this term before. Like, you kind of have to, quote-unquote, find the fun to really enjoy these games instead of just being able to enjoy them right from the get-go. And the ones that have really, I think, risen up over those years have been those that you start playing... 
and you can enjoy it from the very first minute. Um, some of my favorites, Spelunky, The Buying of Isaac, Stardew Valley. Mm. And again, I think we all have our list of favorite indie games <laughs> over this last decade. Oh, yeah. So, so in terms of what, what I think you need to have nowadays is like even like two kind of stand out in the indie space. You, right. You need to have even your, your game needs to even like be like the, the total cream of the crop now because there is just uh, so much in this space right now. And um, in terms of like, if your game doesn't have presentation, it really relies on, like you almost have to have someone you trust, you, someone's opinion you trust, like tell you that, all right, you're going to hate, or you're, you're not going to be into this game at first, but there's something here and you just have to get past that first first bit and then they'll they'll be just right they'll be awesomeness behold once you get past like there yeah you have to trust someone that there's there are real nuggets of goodness within but right if you have the presentation then you don't need that person to kind of to kind of sell the game for you i think right a recent play dota auto chess oh yeah you have no i have i heard people playing it yeah i think so huge fan of that game. I think I think the game is amazing. However, I I know it's because of the limitations of it. It, it is a uh, it is a game in another game's system it is a mod of Dota Two. So I believe there are just certain things they can't do. Like the the UI generally is not is not what I would like in a game. How so? I have to tell tell friends like trust me like get into this game it's amazing i'll even like help I'll, I'll walk you through the beginning to kind of like get you past this like hump and then right you like there's something good in here and you just have to like get past this first little bit to get to it i feel like that is what if you have good gameplay but not not as good a presentation i feel like that's the kind of stuff you have to rely on whereas if you just have if you've just worked on all aspects of your game and your presentation is is solid as well, you you don't need that as. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this before again about like those games where the quote unquote the real game begins kind of thing. And mm -hmm. I always hate those kinds of games because I don't want to spend like, like you said. There's way too many games and not enough time out there. I don't want to have to spend ten hours before the game actually gets good, or you know we can yeah. start appreciating it. We don't have time to mm -hmm. play games <laughs> to wait for to wait for them to begin, mm -hmm. right? Let's just let's just have them begin. Mm -hmm. And I gotta ask you this question: Considering again, you being the creator of Plants vs Zombies, one of the best casual games, have you had a chance to play any of the Souls likes? And do you have any thoughts I, on that kind of design? I have not. I am extremely curious about them. I've heard. I, I'm. I don't know if I would like them or not. I'm extremely curious about them, though. Uh, people, uh, yeah, uh, people in the chat. We joke all the time when somebody new comes in and asks, "Josh, have you played uh, Dark Souls yet?" Because I've played like every Souls like I played Neo. We played Sekiro, the whole shebang, and it really is like another like very fascinating take on design demon souls made it into my book as well and that's pretty much like the opposite of i think plans for the zombies right there and yeah so can you can you like 
how would you sell this game? Like, all I've heard kind of about it is like these games are extremely, extremely difficult. And that alone is not enough to sell me on a game. Mm-hmm. Like, what would you say is the real like appeal of, of these these kind of games? Is it like the satisfaction that you get because you know it's so difficult? Is I think for me, it's one of those games that really I think showcases the difference between like a novice and expert player, and it re- I see. it rewards that level of mastery. Like um, whenever I play a Dark Souls game, like. The first like thirty minutes to an hour of me playing a new Dark Souls game, I will probably die ten to twenty times easily. But you really start to see that growth over the course of playing the game. Okay. Because I play the character like there's the even the harder harder star in Dark Souls or Demon Souls where you start with no gear whatsoever. So I always begin like that. So it does take half a game to get like a finished clothing set, but. Like, it's one of those games where you can, that the growth is on the player more than it is on the character. Like, when you, yes, when you're good enough at a Dark Souls game, nothing in that game will touch you. Like, um, we were talking about Sekiro. In Sekiro, I died about, I want to say at least 60 to 80 times to beat the game on my very first run having no idea what I was doing horribly dying Uh, these guys were watching me fail for a good hour or two before I just decided to start over then the second time I played that when I did my uh, video on it I went through the whole game and only died like five times and a lot of the boss fights, like, I made it look easy. Like, I would say, like, on the video, this is a hard fight, you know, don't take this easy, you know, this is going to be a hard one. And then you just watch me beat the whole fight in, like, a minute and a half, like, barely getting him. Like, I did not oversell that. Like, I, I promise you, that was harder than it looks. <laughs> but it's very hard, I think, is Cuphead would be another good example of that. Like, Cuphead lays everything out bare for the player, and then it's kind of up to you to figure that out. Um, one of my Josh, would you say you're you're uh, really good at video games? I would. Or on like above, you know, you're pretty skilled. <laughs> I need to be careful <laughs> saying that because I have the entire chat waiting to <laughs> meme this as we speak. I know <laughs> news has got his uh, fingers on the keyboards right now. Okay. <laughs> I I would right. put myself. I don't. I always say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have a meme there for a game that they rate me as average in it. <laughs> but I would say that I'm a I would say above average. Like I think for me, yeah, I don't yeah. do fighting games or um simulations. Like I'm horrible at like sim style games like spin tires, a uh, truck simulator, all those kinds of games. Right. I don't think I other than maybe like the platformer and action genre where I would say that I'm really good at I would say mm-hmm. I'm above average. Like I tend to be somebody who plays. <laughs> Oscar's gonna just name them all, isn't he? <laughs> I would say that. I would say that I'm more above average in a lot of genres, but there's very right. few genres that I would say that I am the absolute master. Like you could put me down, I could speed run that game. You know world record easily i did get yeah. a world record in cuphead i had it for 15 minutes like right after that game came out i did a world record run in it <laughs> wow 
Well, grats on that. You also, I heard you beat Contra without the 30 Lies code. Yeah. And so we did that on stream right too. There. So yeah. I prove that to those folks yeah. watching. They, they know <laughs> I did that. You can't, you can't say I'm lying there. But yeah, like there are a lot, like there, are, what was I about to say? Oh, I, now I lost my point there. Uh, uh, um, uh, let's see. The stealth. Um, yeah, like. We're talking about Souls likes. Yeah. Like, um, there are a lot of games like oh no I, thank you like I would one of my first posts or one of my first articles I wrote for Gamma Sutra this was back in I think 2012 2013 was comparing Demon Souls to Mario specifically to the 3D Mario games and okay. how both series reward the player's mastery and you play those games differently based on your knowledge. And that's kind of how I equate like the souls like, or at least the very the better ones. That once you kind of crack that code, it's almost like a night and day difference compared to like let's say like an old school like as you're talking about platformers. Like if you're a master at playing Super Mario World, you're still gonna be doing the same general path as somebody who's still learning that game. Like you can't skip or get through stuff on skill alone unless we're talking about you know glitches and you know speed running tech but in something like dark souls or any you know, of the souls likes when you're good enough like the game it just feels like a completely different game to you but like this is okay. a very funny thing like i had a conversation instead with another guy named josh and he asked <laughs> me this question like do you think that it's harder to learn call of duty or harder to learn a game like Sekiro. And we kind of talked about like multiplayer versus single player design. Because they really appeal, I think, to different audiences or different mindsets. Huh. So you're saying compared to Mario, just a kind of, it's a, a higher total skill cap, or that's just the the amount your game changes for you when you get better is just, there's a huge gap between even like being like extremely good at a Mario game than, than being extremely good at a Souls like. Yeah, like and that's um I would say like if you look at the 3D Mario games, I think they are a really great example of that kind of design. Um did you have a chance to play Super Mario Odyssey yet? I did. I love that game. Yeah. Like for me like the first time I played through that it did not work for me. Like I felt like something was off, like it just I wasn't really enjoying it all that well. Josh, we like all the opposite games. I know. You, I like <laughs> I like Castlevania two the most. Odyssey, not you're not as big on that one. But, uh, but yeah, I almost what finished was it about the story it? though. Okay, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, sure. <laughs> when I while I was writing the book a few months ago, I replayed that game from start to finish, and I enjoyed uh -huh. it a lot more that second time. And part of that was, that was yeah, I was using more of the cat mechanics. I was kind of playing the game more with the knowledge of how these moves work as opposed to trying to play it as an earlier Mario game. Like, um, obviously, since you play, you know, like, you can do, like, the stomp jump to get yourself a lot more height. You can do, like, throw yeah. the cap ahead, hold it, run into the cap, and that bounces Mario up. I was doing more mm -hmm. of that as opposed to just straight, like, triple jumping or a wall jump and a spin jumps. And what I found was I was getting through the game not only faster, 
but I was finding new paths through those levels that I didn't think were possible. And I think another part of that was watching, I watched somebody speed ran the game. I think this was, I think the last uh, Awesome Games Done Quick event. And I was watching right. them play. I'm like, you know, like, this is entirely different from how I play that game. And then when I started doing it, it was just enjoying it a lot more. So you, do you find that's, that happens for you? Do you watching runner play the game, someone who's like extremely good to kind of give you an idea of like, here is, here is what you'll be playing the game, extremely good at it. And that kind of, of like what you should be doing in this game. And that helps you enjoy it more. I think for me, like, I've I, I, tried yeah. to keep this rule that I never watch a speedrun of a game until after I've played it and beaten it at least one time. But I always try okay. to get, like, the my experience first and then kind of see how things go from there. I did the same thing with Resident Evil 2, for instance. Like, the first time oh, I played okay. through that, it took me, I think, good eight or nine hours of me just fumbling through, you know, no help from Chad, no help from anybody. Mm -hmm. And then I saw, and then right after that, I saw her watch people speed run, or I saw her reading about advanced techniques for it. And then that completely changed how I play that game. And I think part of it is that I think you can really, there are a lot of games that I think you can really only play one time. You know, like that one pure experience. Unless you like you're like me, like I played so many games, I never forget that experience, and then I return to those games like four or five years later, and it's mm -hmm. like, oh, it's all new to me. Like at some point, I'm gonna have yeah. to do that with Breath of the Wild again. Oh, that'll be a cool experience. Mm -hmm. So, given that you, this is kind of the this is kind of the stuff that gets you enjoyment out of games. Was Plants vs Zombies? Uh, did that game have its kind of appeal to you? or was it just not like Plants vs. Zombies is not not a game that rewards you mm -hmm. for skilling up like there's not a massive skill curve that you can get better mm -hmm. really really get better at the game it is it is an extremely easy game it's mm -hmm. some parts of it are disguised to make it not feel like as easy as it is mm -hmm. uh, just a quick example for instance the we did like some stats stat collecting just mm -hmm. To kind of see it, we, we did this with the beta testers and zero people. So the final boss of the game, I feel like I feel like the final boss of Plants vs. Zombies feels like not, it doesn't feel like a cakewalk. Yet in our stats, zero people lost on the final boss of the game, which is like in a Souls like that's like totally backwards, right? Like mm -hmm. that is, that would just give you no satisfaction to find out a fact like that like that no people died on the final boss in any of those games so is like uh does plants vs zombies yeah that was just something that i was you know in making this game like am i okay with the game being like as extremely easy as it is mm -hmm. um and one of the well one of the reasons for that was that uh the the programmer Todd Semple, uh, our programmer on the game, likes his games very, very easy. And so I think that was part of the influence. But I think there was so something I'm kind of like going over like lots of different topics. So something that I've noticed in Plants vs. Zombies is that despite it being really easy, it was just kind of fun to watch your plants shoot at these zombies. 
I think that's part of like, that's part of that comes from just tower defense in general. Like, uh, but yeah, there was just something where the game didn't necessarily need to be hard because it was just the, just that moment of like, while a zombie is advancing on you and you're just shooting with peas, that is some, I can't really describe to you why, but that is like, that was just satisfying to just watch that. Mm-hmm. Um, another reason the game is kind of deceptively e- like it is easier than it looks is the uh, they, we included the lawnmowers in the game, which they I mean, I think to a, you know, someone who's not averse with like game design that would it, it would I mean, it would, it would obviously obviously be something that would make the game easier for you. But just by how much people i don't think realize like Mm -hmm. the lawnmowers being in the game make the game extremely yes and And so just not not like when i think of plants versus zombies challenge the the last thing i would think of right so is it um so liking the kind of games you do like do you feel like um well you i mean you included you included plants versus zombies in your book Mm -hmm. so there was there was something about it that 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 you feel like Right, people could people should study, but is there? Do you think there's just a certain kind of player that knowing that Plants vs Zombies isn't challenging at all just would not be accepting of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think like there are people who would like as I said in the chapter, there are a lot of people out there who kind of put their thumb their nose down at the quote unquote casual game. You know, like the idea that unless a game is brutally difficult. It's not. It's not worth playing. Like for myself, like I've I've had fun playing games that have no uh, punishment mechanics, no threat of failure. Just as I've played hardcore, very challenging games along those lines. I think, like for me, like one aspect that I really liked about Plants vs Zombies is kind of like the reward system you set up. Not only in terms of unlocking new flowers. But also the breaks, like every, I think it was like every five or six levels, you threw in like that kind of mini game to it. Mm-hmm. And just as a way of always giving you something new to do. Like, it ne- like the first time I played through that game, it never felt like I was repeating like the same thing again and again. Like, it didn't feel like a grind. Now, I don't think, like for myself, I'm trying to remember, I don't think I beat hard mode or new game plus i did play it but i think that was about the time that i was starting to get a little bit tired of the game just because i already beat i went through the whole game i did the challenges i basically did like all the other stuff yeah doing all the other stuff is really where we were looking to steer you Mm -hmm. uh the that you didn't beat new game plus is um certainly as like a designer i was New Game Plus existed more as like, well, we're giving you the option to do it if you want to, yeah. rather than like we, we. I, I would much rather you go through and experience all the other modes like like Base Breaker and I Zombie before doing, um, before mm-hmm. just uh, replaying replaying the game. It, um, I do think we bumped up the difficulty, but uh, difficulty alone in a game like Plants vs Zombies doesn't really. I feel like it doesn't really mean much. And so, I mean, in a new game plus, we definitely, we changed it up in that uh, Crazy Dave gives you 
some amount of random plants that you must use kind of like as a, just a, a way to switch things up. And I think that was like doing something like that is necessary in a game like plants versus zombies because uh, it is, it is not just challenging for challenging sake, right? Yes. It, is, it is like, it's a way to make you use, it's a way to make it feel like a, a unique experience the second time through. It's a way to get you to use some plants that you might not have paid much attention to the first time. And so it doesn't, uh, it doesn't surprise me that you didn't beat it the second time through. Did you play enough to get the Yeti zombie? I don't think I did. Okay. I, I was looking for that because I think is, that's one of like, the few yeah. achievements I didn't get in the game. Yeah, right. That is that is supposed to be like, a, you know, like a very secret Easter eggy thing. And so I didn't mind hiding it in the, like a, a future playthrough of, <laughs> of adventure mode. But however, yeah, if you ask me like, what would I, you know, what would I want players to do most after after beating the game i definitely like say like funnel them to the mini games or to one of the other awesome modes that we that we spent that last year coming up with and like um i I like what you said there about not having challenge for challenge sake because i think that's another really big misconception for a lot of people that again like going back to the whole souls like that there's people who view difficulty as greatness that if nobody can beat a game, then it must be a great and well-designed game. But I've really come off from that over the over the last few years. Like I always find like it's a lot harder to make a balanced game than it is an easy or hard game. Like the mm-hmm. perfect example that I'm curious if you've heard of this one would be uh, the uh, La Mulana franchise. I have played that one. That was pretty great. Yeah. I haven't played the second one yet. Mm-hmm. Like for but, me, I found yeah. those to be just in a lot of cases, just difficulty for the sake of being difficult in a few areas. Oh, I see. Yep. And <clears throat> I just, I have not been in any of those games. Like I, I bet if I had, like if I sat down with like the strategy guy next to me, I could get through that game easily. But Right. Trying to beat that game completely blind is just a very tough experience. Yeah, that kind of also leads to right. La Mulana was kind of it was it, it knew its audience, mm-hmm. which was like more core gamers, and so it could it could keep the difficulty like raised high because that's kind of the expectation. Something that uh, I've kind of struggled with in making my games is like, what do I do? What do I do to kind of like, I am in general shooting for a, a much wider audience mm-hmm. balance. Like there are, yeah, I'm trying to say like, well, there, there are people who don't play games much and I want them to enjoy the, the I want them to make just as much as uh, someone who's more core. And so uh, I have kind of, I've, I've spent a good amount of time thinking about that as well like uh the maybe the first thing you might just you might decide to do is the whole uh select your difficulty right like uh, a lot of games tend to do and and uh you'll notice that's not in any of my games and that's because it's partially because of just like personal experience i have with that system i never feel like i'm picking the right Yes, I I never feel like I'm picking the right one. If I pick easy, I feel like I am, I don't know, like 
ashamed slightly. <laughs> and I, if I pick hard, I know I'm going to be miserable. <laughs> so I tend to pick normal, but normal also means different things in different games. I just, mm-hmm. there's no like, I don't know. I don't, I don't feel like there's much good that can come of that system. So I always try to look for alternatives in, in my games. Yeah. Um, and there's always the, there's a dynamic difficulty adjustment kind of systems, right? Like you can do that kind of like tweaking things um, on the fly based on how well your, how well your um, player is doing. However, I really feel like, okay, so here's like, if I, f- I really try to avoid the systems where if a, a player catches wind of your system, it just cheapens their whole experience or it makes it so like, like, if they, so for instance, if your if your game is pretty, but if you sense your player is just like not not really good, and you're just like, well, okay, you you're, you're you set the bar super low, so you're, the player doesn't have to do that much, and someone finds out about this, and they they're the type that just wants to blaze through a game to get the get the game's experience, and someone finds out about this, they can kind of like they can kind of cheat that system and just do the bare minimum just enough to get by mm-hmm. get through the game really quickly and and I, f- I feel like stuff like that where once the player discovers it like they hear about it for whatever reason the game no longer maintains its integrity i feel like those are s- systems to avoid as well so i can tell you what plants vs zombies does is well one is we do things like give you give you lawnmowers right so it's the game is is very easy but you can kind of like take pride in not losing any of the lawnmowers or something like that right so there it's kind of it's some games do like like you can earn bonus stars by kind of achieving these extra extra um kind of like lateral um also the so the zombies spawn at a given rate it is it is kind of it is kind of like a on the lenient side where there's there is um the base rate is a is geared more toward the casual player so you'll you'll be able to catch your breath in between before the next wave comes usually however if you are if you're doing pretty good and you're you're killing the zombies uh pretty quickly the game detects when you are somewhere between like 70 or 80%. When when the current wave's health is below 70 or 80%, then it will send the next wave immediately as a way to kind of like, well, I mean, if we didn't do this, you'd just be bored out of your mind as nothing would happen for like 20 <laughs> seconds, right? It is kind of like, it's not really like, we're not changing the health of any of the zombies. We are just keeping the pace of the game to your, like we're pacing the game to your skill level um, it is something I feel like once you find out about it, like say like you're a player and you find out about this, it doesn't really like change the way you necessarily still going to play it to your best. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is something that doesn't apply to many games, but so, you know, Dr. Zomboss is the mastermind sending you all the zombies. Zombies in general aren't very, very smart, but I can just imagine this, this final boss kind of like witnessing his hordes of zombies that that wave of zombies he sent at you didn't work and so he's just like all right send the other one immediately right so it's just kind of like um for all those reasons i feel like the system we we devised in plants versus zombies works well but it's just like yeah this is some of the stuff i i definitely like 
think about. Some of it's catered to my own taste in games. But um, yeah, I've just kind of I've had a couple of experiences in games where I, once I found out about the uh, the dynamic difficulty adjustment system behind the scenes, it, the game wasn't the same for me anymore. Yeah. So I definitely, when making a game, I try to avoid that if like I try to avoid systems like that if all possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like for myself, I'm the same way. Like I don't like. For most games, I'll play them on the hard mode. I mean, the only ones I play on, like, the normal difficulty would be, like, RPGs. Because I think for those, it's not really, like, focused on the player's skill as much. It's more about the stats or the abstraction. So, like, you can't really get better at a turn-based RPG. Like, if, (laughs) if your character only has 30 health points, you can't, you know click your button any faster to avoid getting hit there right. rpgs in general are a mo- lot more um character skill yeah love like leveling up rather than player skill yeah right the, the percentage is much higher over there i mean there is there is some like it wouldn't be fun if it was 100 percent just character skill i think like mm-hmm. I, I feel like it, it requires some part of it that you feel like you're getting better at however right it is the the you know more toward your character leveling up than your actual yeah. actual player skills level. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like for me, like when it comes to difficulty, like I don't like games that make things harder by just adjusting stats. Like mm-hmm. um, again, if you play any action game, you know many of them they have hard mode, extra hard mode, whatever. They'll just give enemies like ten times more health, or they'll let them do five times more mm-hmm. damage, and call it a day. Um, one of my right. favorite games was The World Ends With You by Square Enix. And one mm-hmm. of things I love... Yeah, loved, I remember that game. Yeah, and one of the things I love about that game was you had complete freedom to adjust a difficulty and will reward you based on how you adjusted that difficulty. Like, and I think that's what some of my favorite games when it makes it interesting or more challenging in unique ways, but also rewards you for doing that. Like, it kind of gives you, like, I always see it as, like, that little, like, tip of the hat for showing your mastery at the game. I see. Yeah. And as, it, oh, um, It's always more interesting, too, if, I mean, as, as designers, we, yeah, we are in charge of, like, crafting the experiences for, for right? And it just, it just, it feels a lot cheaper if it's just like, okay, you're supposed to enjoy this new experience, and all we did was multiply each number by by the same mm-hmm. amount across the board like it took it took the designer literally two seconds yeah and we're expecting like oh you're going like we want you to get like like that much more enjoyment and I'm like no you gotta yeah you gotta really think about what like what would be like a great experience for your player and right yeah. that just that is usually not it yeah like i remember when i played near uh, like the Near Automata series, in the mm-hmm. second one, what they did was on normal difficulty, you could survive eight hits from enemies and you could kill them in two hits. When you go to hard difficulty, they reverse those numbers. Now, enemies take eight hits to die and you'll die in two hits. Mm. And I was just like, like, it's a challenge, but I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like I'm being rewarded. I just feel like I'm basically just, you know, by choice, punching myself in the face to play the game <laughs> at this difficulty. Right. Now, uh, speaking about the lawnmowers, oh, do you have anything you want to say? Let's talk lawnmowers. Uh, there's one thing that I wanted to bring up, because I thought this was another very fascinating part, again, about 
I guess about like rewarding the player in the sense that um, as we were saying, like the lawnmowers themselves, and for people who, for if you somehow stumble upon this chat, don't know what Plants for the Zombies is, <laughs> the lawnmowers are the literal last line of defense. When a zombie reaches kind of like the game over part on the screen, the lawnmower activates, it kills all these zombies in that lane. And one thing you could do is if you get to the final challenge, like the final wave, and you still have all your lawnmowers, you automatically win. Because the second mm-hmm. they get there, they'll just kill them all. And yeah. as uh, news and foreign and chat were saying, like, they try to get through without using the lawnmowers. And one thing I want to ask you about, George, is, like, as you said, there are games that will kind of either reward or acknowledge, like, expert actions. You know, be a level with three stars. Don't uh, take more than 20% of damage, etc. And they'll mm-hmm. sometimes have, like, those marks, or like a, I call like a yep. trophy room screen. With Plants vs. Right. Zombies, was there like any point like having that, like having like a badge of honor, like a mark saying you've been in this level without any lawnmowers or things like that? So, like I said, I was I made Plants vs. Zombies at PopCap, mm-hmm. and yes, they are a casual games company, but a lot of their games are are filled with. Uh, what is it like a, a, a incentive mm-hmm. incentive structure? Uh, a lot of their puzzle games, you would it would flash stuff on the screen for whenever you got like like a point system to emphasize different things you could go for. Uh, I can imagine for for some, it's like oh that's you know that is cool because now I have some other you know other gameplay goals. Mm-hmm. Like I can I rather than just finishing a level, I. Can, I can finish it with the max number of points and I can go for these like I can go for these lateral strategies that I wasn't really focused on before that if if I just had to get through the level um I can do that. So that's in general the the design philosophy behind a lot of PopCap games was such hmm. um right if you play any of the other ones for instance like Pe- Peggle Ball they're all a decent amount of this. Uh, Plants vs. Zombies didn't really do much of this, and hmm, it it is it is directly because it was designed by someone like me, who I feel like sometimes like that that kind of stuff in in games can be excessive. It can be uh, it can be noise that takes you away from what like what you could be you know some gameplay that you could be more satisfied with or that could be more satisfying um Um, maybe uh yeah george i don't want to interrupt you we kind of lost the stream for a second oh no one second here what's going on are we back yeah so oh yeah other pop gap games would have like all kinds of like point point reward systems they would work yeah reward you for doing this or doing that and certainly that was suggested by the other designers at pop mm-hmm. cap i generally avoided it um and i generally avoided it because of probably because of personal preference in games where so i do feel like like taken to you know the extremes like that that kind of stuff can be excessive certainly like i think everyone has a point where that that stuff just becomes 
noise. I think that point for me might be lower than uh, maybe an average game player. Like I, I, I might be more sensitive to that, but I just don't like, like, I feel like some of the stuff I was talking about in that, that talk you referenced, the 2012 talk mm-hmm. uh, is like, you want to, you don't want to create too much noise for the player because they're a lot more likely to uh, miss something that you do want them to see. Right. And so, so something I don't want the player to miss is just like the, the, um, the moment to moment satisfaction of like, Oh, planting, like choosing what plants to plant or, you know, checking if I have enough sun and, or, you know, deciding which lane to plant your, plant your, uh, your three Peter in. It's like, I think the reason I didn't do any of the other stuff is that that is, that is what I wanted the player to, this player satisfaction to come from. And I feel like if I did, if I did enough of that, the just kind of like bells and whistles, he kind of rewards you for placing two, like, for instance, suggestions like, oh, if you put two of the same plant down in succession, like you could reward the player, like a sun reward for that or something. And the, the things like that were suggested. And I just, I mean, due to personal preference and maybe just like, okay, what is, you know, what is the overarching design philosophy for this game? I just kind of left a lot of that out. And as just because I think I want, I want players to focus on that, that, that pure, like, like you should be, you should be able to get enjoyment out of that, that base gameplay. And I feel like if you're, you know, there is a certain kind of game that uh, maybe, maybe it's like the gameplay needs that fluff kind of around it to kind of really be satisfying. But I wanted Plants vs. Zombies to stand on its own, and I wanted you to be able to just focus on those those bits of satisfying gameplay I I intended for you. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. we've seen, like, I was, that actually leads me to this next question that I had for you. When you play games that kind of have, like, those extra challenges, those little extra rewards, are you the kind of player who stays on level until you've completed that? Or do you play through and, like, whether you get a one-star or a three-star, it doesn't matter. You just move on to the next level and the next. So, I am, I am, geez, wait, no. I, <laughs> okay, so, I'm trying to think of what I do. I was going to say I am the type of player to play through the game first without worrying about the star system and then go back. If I like the game enough, I will go back and attempt the stars. However, I know that I've, I've played. So, right. Sometimes it's like time is the most valuable commodity, right? So my mindset is like, I think this is less enjoyable enjoyable for me overall however sometimes because time is important i'll be playing a game and if i know i want to star it i will i will i will beat a level with like one or two stars not all three and then i'll go back and get that third star right away but not because i think that's what i enjoy the most i don't enjoy that pace as much as casual more casually being the whole game first and then going back to attempt the, the more like the more challenging um getting all three stars. However, uh, time is pretty important for me. So I figure I do want to have the accomplishment of three star in this whole game. 
However, this this level is most fresh in my mind right now. Mm-hmm. So I will for some games I will go in three star immediately. However, that is not the pacing of gameplay I prefer. I think I prefer the first thing I said. Yeah, I think like for me, it's always like a very tough situation because I've ran to those games where I'll get so bogged down trying to three star it or master it that it yeah, kind I've of like there. solely's the experience for me. And mm-hmm. like I was just looking up this one game, like there's this casual game that I played, uh, the Twelve Labors of Hercules. It's kind of like a, uh, I don't want to say like a real time strategy game. It's kind of like a, um, oh, this is actually a, this is a good challenge. I'm not sure how I would describe this one. They describe <laughs> it as a time management game. Like as that's kind of apt, where the levels again, like to get through it like one star, it's nothing. Like you can close your eyes and click on the map. And you'll get one star through it. But if you yes. want that three star, we're getting into, you know, seconds in terms of how you optimize your path through it if you want to get that perfect rating. Yes, and you're saying was that the game that just Yeah, like it like it has like baggy. the why like, like I said I call it like a trophy room that the map will update as you complete challenges. Like that to me I think is always a great motivator to say that it's not just you being the level and then saying I be it. You can have like the map have like a nice little graphic effect, or you have like a little statue or things like that. But it did start to get very slow for me. Like it, and again, as you said, like time is such a big factor. Like yep. oh my goodness. Like when we're done with the stream, if we we may not get it done. We may just keep talking for the next day or so. <laughs> like, there's still, like, I have over, like, a thousand games in my Steam catalog. And, you know, I have barely touched any of those games. And as we said, like, time is such an important value. Like, I don't have that time anymore to sit down and master it. So, right, when you mentioned that, mm-hmm. I was just thinking for... um for for Octageddon, for instance, there is an achievement system in that game. Essentially, you yeah. can you can earn medals for certain to, to, but we don't unlock that until you've beaten the game. Yes. and it's kind of for the same reason. I was just thinking of your situation there, and perhaps that game wouldn't have led you to that frustration if, like, until you beat it, like once you beat it, that's when the star system unlocks, and then you have the option of like going through it again and. You know, replaying some levels with a different perspective that'll give you like, you know, that'll let you have the satisfaction of, oh, I, however, that while you're going through it, you can just focus on that level to level experience. Like, I just passed that level. And it's like, especially when you are before you are like completely engrossed in a game, it's really important that you not you, you the pacing isn't like editive that like you just you're just like stick up playing the game, even though new content to come like you're already sick of playing it because of the systems that that have been built in like i'm trying to i'm i'm replaying a level 50 times to get all three stars in it that's like that's like i don't think that that's generally that's less enjoyable for most right and so yeah it just makes me think like what if what if that game kept kept the, the star system i mean this is it's not it's not universally the solution right because the whole point of a star system is like to give you the the option to go for it, it is it is like we said it's, it is a kind of like it a way to adjust difficulty like you can make the game as difficult as you like I do like this in some games it's like if I want to I can 
do one run on this level and shoot for all three stars at once, or I can do a run on this level and shoot for one of the three stars. Like it is up to me or I can shoot for none of them, right? Like it is up to me how difficult I want to make this level. And I think giving players that freedom is really nice. However, I think Mm -hmm. so it's a case like case by case basis, depending on the game, right? Like you in that game, it might've served it better to just keep that star system gated completely until at least a certain point or maybe after you beat the game once. And that way, if you're still into it, now you can go back and, you know, replay some of these levels, getting further enjoyment out of the game. Whereas because they kept it locked, like it was just a smoother progression through the main game and you you wouldn't kind of basically stuck on these points where you felt like you had to three start right now. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Just in general, we crave like like more variety. And so letting you get you know beat a level and then play the next one that that is generally like that is generally more enjoyable than having you replay a level like 50 times before advancing and so yeah maybe that game could have done with keeping certain certain parts of it locked until until afterward i think would you say that that do you think you would have uh, enjoyed the game more if you could focus on getting through it the first time rather than obsessing over the stars I think it would be like a lot easier to go through it. I think the one war you have to consider there is that the game should be tracking like how well you're actually playing. As in like if I do get like a three star without realizing it, you know, don't make me replay the entire game from scratch kind of thing. Because we've seen some games do that where, you know, it won't count progress until the game is actually tracking it. I see. Like Yeah. That hmm. Right now, uh, I see. I see both sides of that. Like, yeah. yes, you like if someone if you if you basically three starred this level and they're just making you do it again. Mm-hmm. That is that on one hand is it just felt like if you, especially if you remember what you did, you're like it's like asking you to you know to like get over two thousand points and you remember you got two thousand points on that level. That feels super frustrating. Mm-hmm. However, the other side of that is like you see like you beat the game and you see all these stars for things like it's just i think it's you lose the satisfaction of actually hitting these goals like uh if you go if you beat the game and you go through the world map and you see like oh i've i've already starred all these things likely you won't remember yeah you you won't remember what what accomplishments you did like how did i get all these stars i don't know like like part of the point of stars is to like reward you for like immediately for the accomplishment you just did and in context right like that's really important i feel like the a delayed star much less valuable than a star that you you like it shows you the star right afterward and it tells you what you did rather than the tricky part is like you did this three hours ago and now are <laughs> rewarding you for it that that is that is also a tricky yeah. thing to do right so so you know the best answer for this like that's right that is why discuss it like 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 this right and yeah and it is tricky like every game would handle it differently especially depending upon you know the market that you're aiming for if you're trying to build your game around like more of a core or hardcore group then they probably want that information like the second they've done it you know they want that reward like they don't want to be told five hours later oh you did you know you went from 10% done to now 65% done just because we turned on like the stat <laughs> recording going forward kind of thing. Yep. 
Yeah. Here's an interesting question for you, George, like in keeping with like this idea of reward or acknowledging the player. I got to ask you this, your thoughts on Celeste. Did you have a chance to play that? I haven't played that yet. That's, that's, that's on my list of, of something to check out. Um, are we going to, uh, what I know about it is that there is a, are we talking about the, um, all the different sliders to adjust difficulty in all kinds of ways? Is that, um, that could certainly be part of it, but the one okay. thing I wanted to ask you about is that the game features an additional reward or additional challenge in the form of strawberries that you can pick up in each level. They're always yeah. set up in a hard-to-reach spot. Now, the thing right. about the game is that there is no real acknowledgement or reward or anything for getting those strawberries. And There's not even a... Um some menu somewhere to tell you how many you've gotten or... I think that is the only thing it does. Like if okay. you collect all the strawberries, there's no like in-game pop-up, there's no like screen saying, "Hey, you got all the strawberries." There's nothing. Okay. So you don't get some like fireworks show at the end, but there is a stat somewhere yes. that tells you how many strawberries you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think for a lot of people that's that that's enough right there. Mm-hmm. At least like I was thinking like it was like it just didn't there was no indication at all like you you just collected strawberries purely for kicks but yeah okay so there at least there's that okay well that helps me frame it yeah where are you a strawberry collector oh yes to a certain <laughs> point i think there were a few times i was just like i'm done like i don't want to do this section again kind of thing yeah. Because it gets hard. Like, I was like, I talked to people about it. I was like, a lot of people think Celeste is a casual game because as a sys mode, no. It is a hard game. Like, if you try to beat, like, the uh, B side or C side, that's basically hard and extra hard levels, they will take yeah. some time. Okay. Okay. Right. Who thinks it's a casual game? Like, that's, right. Yeah. Like, uh, and that's what uh, I was saying in chat about kind of the assist mode. Like, I think like this kind of goes back to what we were just saying in terms of difficulty sliders. Like, I always felt like, like it's a, I feel the same way about the adventure genre. Like, I don't know how good you are at adventure games, but for me, I am. There are puzzles that I am horrible at, like puzzle designs that I will never solve in a million years. And mm-hmm. the second I run into those, I will just immediately turn to a hint guide. But then. Once that happens, I just start reading like all the hints. Like, I can't help myself. Mm, and I see. most of the time when I get to that point, I just stop playing the game. Like I feel like I'm not playing the game anymore. It just feels like I'm oh, just following the guide. Yeah, I am definitely like, right, I I avoid reading any hints at mm-hmm. all costs for for probably those same reasons. Like if I once I start, I feel like I'll just like just devour it all or just mm-hmm. I can't I can't really it's so hard to just read one hint. And so I, yeah, I make, I make a huge effort to, to try to at least, at least the main game beat that before, before like looking up anything, um, just because, right. That is, that is what, that is what's satisfying. Like I I feel, Mm -hmm. I feel right. Like that, that is, you know, figuring this stuff out on your own is, is what the game is all about to me. And so, uh, Right, and I feel like if I, I think it's different if I feel like the game is unfairly. But then, I, why am I playing that game? Yeah. The first, like I have so many <laughs> other games I could be playing. Yeah, I feel like if the game is good and and 
I, I get so much satisfaction out of figuring stuff out on my own that I, I really avoid reading like any kind of like hints before I beat the game. I think once I beat it and it's like talking about like post like game, like post end game stuff kind of, mm-hmm. um, then I'm much more open to that. Yeah. Like for me, like we try to play, uh, what was it? The seventh guess online, that adventure game. This was like, I think two or three months ago. And, like, I had no idea how to solve a variety of those puzzles. <laughs> uh, one of my friends, like, he sent me, he goes, Josh, I got the hint guide for you I use. Here it is. And he sent me, it was like a t- five-page description of how to solve this puzzle. I'm like, I don't even know what this is, <laughs> let alone what the puzzle's asking me to right. do. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've also come a long way since yeah. then. So, right. It's seventh guest isn't isn't the bar to hold everything to like yeah. i feel like modern adventure games would just tackle that a lot a lot mm-hmm. better not require that five page explanation or whatnot mm-hmm. i guess and uh, as a quick time check we are past like eleven fifty. i can keep going like i can feel like i can keep going for like as long as you're able to george um yeah i figure i, I yep. yeah how about we um we do like one or two more topics Mm-hmm. And then we can, yeah, we can, we can <laughs> say goodbye for now, up. but then come, yeah. we can come back another time. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, again, like I, we can just, we can go back to reminiscing about NES games for another 40 minutes. <laughs> I could, we could kill a few hours oh, like yeah. that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but, I'd be down. Yeah, I, I know I, the right. chat does want to hear a little bit more about Plants vs. Zombies, and again, yeah, we've been kind it. of talking in and out about casual design all night, and we can, again, I can, I am more than happy to do a part two, three, or how many more parts you're able to for a <laughs> cast. But um, for people who don't know, I do also want to congratulate you, of course, this being the, it was three days ago, well, four days, as soon as we hit midnight here, a 10-year mm-hmm. anniversary for Plants vs. Zombies. Yes. Happy birthday, Plants vs. Zombies. 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Your little zombie there has a birthday hat and the little confetti in his mouth there, or the streamer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess I just wanted to ask, and this next question, I don't know, this may be kind of NDA or whatever. If it is, just let me know. But um, with regards to Plants vs. Zombies 2, the one that was made kind of, I think that was after PopCat was acquired by EA, I guess... It was made, it was definitely started Mm -hmm. before PopCat was acquired, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm I'm just going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it was, it might have been released afterward. And I guess my question was like, like it. I know that one didn't seem to capture like the same magic. I know a lot of people. I think at the time argue was like kind of like the mobile influence coming in for that one. Mm-hmm. I guess like, what were your thoughts? And again, I don't want to get you in any trouble with anything. So, you know, NDA. Just let me know. What okay. were your I'll th- be careful. <laughs> what were like kind mm-hmm. of like your thoughts on kind of like. And this is actually this actually leads us into our casual talk as well. What are kind of like yeah. your thoughts on like mobile design, kind of taking oh, the reins of casual gameplay? Because as you said, like you came, you went from Blizzard to PopCap, and PopCap and PopCap again, like ten <laughs> years ago, like they were like that was pretty much like the I felt like the golden age of casual games. Like they made some like some of my favorites, Peggle, Bookworm, the whole shebang. And yeah, those those are some good days. Yeah. So yeah, I'll just kind of 
I'll I'll say that when the iPhone first came out, it was a pretty awesome time for me. I would just go to the App Store, all kinds of games that would look interesting, mm-hmm. download a bunch, just have like you know anywhere between ten and twenty that I'd be just like playing through. It was some really good times. And comparing that, like, so, right, that was a different breed of mobile game, right? Like, comparing that to, like, what what mobile games I play these days is just, mm. it's not that exciting to me anymore. Like, yeah. I feel like the kind of gameplay that's predominant now just is not, doesn't interest me. Uh, the whole, the whole, I don't know what the term is, but the the whole, like, Here's some here's some gameplay and you can bypass it by paying <laughs> paying money. Like uh, um, I feel like that is just I mean if I had to break it down it's cuz that is balanced by the designer. Like prior to this it was like if there was any kind of sort of uh waiting or grinding in a game it was balanced so that it would be the most satisfying. Yes. Like the pacing should be that that you are uh you are, you know, acquiring the resources for this, and it is a, it is at the right, it is at the the perfect pace for you to feel like, uh, just you know, having put in some quote work into it, you're feeling just satisfied enough to, like, to uh, feel even more like, like, like your reward is well earned, or yeah, like I or I have like you know I spent this much grinding for a hundred gold, now I have to choose what to spend it on. That is like. You know that is an interesting decision I can make. I can't. I don't just have unlimited amounts of money. I have to choose what I'm going to spend this hundred hundred gold on. I feel like the designers now kind of purposefully make it tedious for you, mm-hmm. so that you're incentivized to skip that part of gameplay. So it's like I, it's it's just um, pushed in a, in a direction that it's like here now the normal gameplay if you don't pay anything is just bad and no one would i mean like okay maybe right when you start playing the game it's like the right pace right but soon we're going to start we're going to start like veering things toward okay you're kind of hooked now you're not really having like you've, you've gotten over the initial like kind of neat game hooks and now you're kind of like addicted to this game we'll make these like cycles like extra prolonged you, like you need way too much money to get to advance yourself and look how tedious it is look how look how much you don't want to spend all this time or wait this long doing this now or you can just pay a little bit and bypass it all save yourself the pain it's just like i feel like so many games and like on the mobile app store are just cut from that mold these days that i'm just like it's not it's nowhere near like the 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 joy i had you know early on in the in, in like the the infancy of the app store where it was just like so many kind of like brand new game game experiences coming out and yeah because i really like casual games like yeah. they are like right as i mean i make them so it's like right i i do love them and i should i feel like i should, like had kind of mobile games gone down a different path like i would just you know there'd be I would just look at my phone with so much more happiness and be like, oh, oh look, like, wow, which game of these, all these awesome new experiences am I going to play today? But no, it's not the case really these anymore. Like, yeah. and that's just, that's just really sad. Like, 
I wish it didn't go this way, but um, that's just, yeah, that's just how now. So, right, with regards to, I mean, I, I, I especially initially, Plants vs. Zombies 2 was uh, defender of all, all, all these kind of principles. However, it is like, I mean, if we're looking at the spectrum, it is like, it does start to like go down this path, right? Like it is a, it's a free game where they have to figure out how to get money from you. So, and we were just talking about like difficulty, right? So they kind of, I, I know some of the, some of the criticism was like, they felt like a lot of players felt like they made certain levels just extremely difficult and to kind of make you buy the power ups to get past the levels. And that is that is just not in the spirit of Plants vs Zombies at all. Like if you if you look at Plants vs Zombies one, where, where things just that like challenge just wasn't part of Plants vs Zombies one. So I think that took a lot of people off guard when Plants vs Zombies two came around. Was like, well, like so this is what this is what a challenging like challenging plant like and maybe like I said before, maybe it's not balanced to be like a a a good amount of challenge it's balanced in a way that like you they i mean you know the end goal is they want you to pay for those power-ups yeah so they are like if in doubt you're going to tend to like like make a level slightly too hard so that you will like you will just um pay and be able to beat it and so yeah that is just something i mean i know that's the way the mobile industry went and like us a business and they were they were <clears throat> they were in that industry so it would be kind of ludicrous not to keep up with it but yeah it does make me sad that that's the that's the direction the entire industry went like yeah, yeah. yeah. and like yeah. the uh, like as you were describing there about having the player being able to buy out of bad design or stuff like that the term mm-hmm. that we've been throwing around has been quote unquote fun pain when you put that into a game and yeah it's definitely like a shame too like i know i think for myself and a lot of people like when we first heard about plants vs zombies 2 like we were all excited about that and i know a lot of us were waiting for it to come to the pc and when like the news started to break out about that i know it deflated a lot of people and it, it really does, I guess, suck about – I can't really put – I could <laughs> use some stronger words there. But it is such a shame about where mobile has gone. Like the game that I'm playing right, right. now, uh, mobile, uh, Marvel Strike Force, it's kind oh. of like the best of the worst that I've played. <laughs> that's, that's and true. yes, I know that's oh. – uh, no. <laughs> we're damning oh, with no. fame yeah. praise i mean you have you got to have some game on your phone right like yeah. i mean it's just so convenient to have something to play but mm-hmm. yeah that's just why why does it have to be like that though right yeah. oh yeah that, that, that's too bad and it's one of those and like you said like it's one of those internal problems of how do you get people to spend money but in the same breath you know a great game like it reminds you a lot. Of, uh, we could easily reminisce about the arcade industry now for the next hour as well. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the early generation arcade games that were designed inherently to be harder to get you to spend money. And yeah, that's right. That's a good parallel. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's let's see. What is the difference? Hmm. Well, arcade games are probably more in your face about it. 
But yeah, like I spoke to like one of my uh, frequent guests. Uh, he's a game economist, Ramin Shogazad. He does a lot of stuff on Gamma Sutra and his own stuff. Like we've talked right. about this and how many of the mobile games, like there's so many little things they do to squeeze that money out of the player. And yep. again, it, like as you said, like as we've said many times on these casts, that in a perfect world, like you wouldn't need these elements, but it has become such a prevalent part that is almost kind of like an arms race. Like if you don't have them and you try to get by on kind of being like the quote unquote premium game, most people aren't going to give your game the time of day. Um, Super Mario uh, Run ran to that problem. Yep. And I still remember that one article on Gamma Sutra where Nintendo actually went to the mobile developer one of their games and said, make it less exploitive. And like that just like blew my mind when I read that. Yeah, I'd even accept that these games have their place. I mean, that 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 the uh, the premium game experiences, the pay once and just play, those still could be viable like it was half and half like i would even accept that like it's not like i want all these all these uh, micro transaction filled experiences to just go away necessarily but it's just right this the, the part that's sad to me is like on mobile it's just pushed out the all this other kind mm-hmm. of game i enjoy i enjoy more yeah but yeah it um right nintendo was like don't don't put these shady things in this game. And I don't think they've, have they repeated that same experiment since then? I don't know. I know Fire Emblem Heroes is still, I think, doing really well. And that one is built on like that kind of gotcha loot box design. Yeah. Now, Oh, this is, this is relevant. Just today I saw something Mm -hmm. about how um, they're going to try to like, they're passing laws to crack down on this, at yeah. least for minors. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a sliver of hope. Mm-hmm. Yep, here it is. Uh, Gamma Sutra proposed legislation aims to ban loot boxes in the United States. Yeah. And that's going to be very interesting to see because we've seen that kind of work its way into the AAA side as well, with many AAA games having loot box or that kind of progression model built into it. And yeah, it's right, on top of paying sixty dollars. You still yeah. right, you, right. This is like a whole whole new level of experience. You're paying sixty bucks, and then you're still paying on top. Now, uh, speaking about games built on grinding and stuff like that, I gotta ask: Have you played like any idle games, or what do you think of the idle genre? <laughs> uh, I let's see. Uh, they're fascinating to me and I've gotten hooked on a few like I was I was a cookie clicker back in the day me too on a one April it, Fool's Day I'd stream me playing cookie clicker for like an hour <laughs> and I think Oscar was yeah. the only one watching for that hour <laughs> yeah so okay so they're the ones that kind of like I remember playing some where they keep evolving as you you like mm-hmm. like the game changes like like right right under you as you as you open up more and more those are pretty interesting to me um it's the more monotonous ones that i find myself like yeah that's my brain says keep playing this cuz you're but 
I don't really want to be playing them anymore because yeah. there's just yeah. So yeah, they're I don't hate them or anything. They're super fascinating to me, and I have gotten sucked into playing a few. However, I would not stay. I'm I'm like the biggest fan of that of that whole space. But yeah, they're super they're super interesting to me. I've gotten hooked on a few myself, and. Uh, one of my favorites was this one called I think, Realm Grind that seemed to have like the most complexity of the IO genre. Um, uh-huh. One that we just played on stream lately that I thought was really great was the indie game Forager, if you had a chance to hear of that one. I just saw something about that. Yeah. Is that worth... Is that, a, is that sort of a... It looked like more of a survival resource gathering game. Is it much of a clicker? It's a resource... Or game? It's resource gathering, but there is like idle elements to it. Like it feels very much like an elevated idle game, if uh-huh. that makes sense. Like you're letting things go and you're doing tasks, but you unlock things that either make those tasks easier or give you more rewards to keep doing more things. Okay. It's okay. I really enjoyed it and the fact that it came like straight out it came from a game jam. I think it won like second place was still yeah. like very amazing like to see like that game develop. But yeah, it's a okay. very interesting genre. And again, it's not one of those that it has kind of taken over like or like there are a lot of mobile games that have kind of taken over in that route for it, which is unfortunate yeah. because like we were playing uh, the game uh, Swag and Sorcery last night on stream and if falls into this line of like running like a weapon shop or building weapons and sending characters out to like do stuff with them um like one of my favorite games Reketeer from like it was like four or five years ago no i'm sorry i think it's like eight or nine years now and like the item shop genre that item shop simulator is one of my favorites Uh but oh okay everyone but i think too many developers met uh mess up on they either focus too much on the idle side or they don't make the simulating sh- or the simulation side all that interesting. Hmm. Yeah. The way. Okay. So first, yeah, I'm I I'm really interested in this in Forager, especially now. I was like something that could be right up my alley, and also say, um, previously, like uh, you know, me of like maybe 10, 15 years ago would definitely be like, oh. This stuff that you just described, like that Forger achieves, mm-hmm. the utmost kind of like that hard to achieve, like com- compulsion, like, oh, you, um, there's all these like layered goals that kind of make, make you want to play more. Like, that is the stuff I would be looking to achieve the most. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone, if someone complimented me with, like, and this is, you know, like, Back in the day, this was the highest compliment I could, I, I feel like someone could give to my game was like, oh, you're active. And these days, it, I, I am a lot, I'm, I'm looking for that a lot less because of kind of what we just talked about. Like there's, I'm recognizing like, and I wish, you know, I, I wish it was just, I could just purely kind of just be amazed by a game's just sheer addictiveness. Um, however, because seeing this whole era of mobile games pop up where yeah you can definitely addicted to some of these be 
like totally aware that you're not having any fun playing it anymore or yet you still are uh, mm-hmm. that's that has just being around that has kind of shifted what i look like i would much rather someone for, for instance say oh your game i had so much fun with it rather than oh your game just had me super addicted like that is that is a to me much higher praise nowadays mm-hmm. and- but that said i do really want to play forager now based <laughs> on what you do. there we go <laughs> <laughs> but i think like, as i was thinking about this that it really comes down to how games have changed. And um, as a time check, we're at about 12.20 my time, so I think this may be our final topic, at least for tonight, but we'll see how things go. But okay. um, I was thinking about this, that one of the things that was great about Plants vs. Zombies and, again, about a lot of the games that we've enjoyed is that they are designed to end. There is an end point to these games. Even if you are addicted to yeah. them, even if you want to play them from start to finish, there mm-hmm. is, in fact, a finish. But a lot of the mobile games and a lot of these more predatory titles, it just feels like they're designed not to have an ending. They're designed so you just right. keep playing them forever and ever and ever, and and what they hope you do is to spend money forever and ever and ever. Right. Hmm. Well, it... In some ways, it is easier to de- design something with an end. Yeah. It is, it's really hard to hit upon that like secret sauce where like you can, you somehow come up with something that, barring like these really predatory, like, like kind of just getting you hooked on just leveling for the sake of leveling or, um, it's pretty hard to, it's like, it's still interesting, even, you know, like that makes you want to keep playing, even though there's no end that stays fresh, that kind of gives you that, oh, today when I play, you know, I'm looking forward to it because just uh, this will be, you know, whatever new experiences that are in store for you. Like, so I think that that's, I mean, that's one reason why games end is mm-hmm. it's just hard to achieve the other, the, 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 the no ending version. Mm-hmm. However, yeah, I do. I do agree. Like that is, if there's no end, if if your game has no end, it's just, uh, and you can keep playing. That is much more prone. Uh, yeah, that that is. I mean, when we look at what mobile games are now, not many of them have an end, and it's just because that means there's no end to how much money that that uh, their customers can give. Yep, and. Like, it's very hard, I think. Like, even, like taking this back to, like, Plants vs. Zombies, even just something like Octageddon. Like, as a designer, how do you come up with the end, like, for your game? Like, and this is, again, like, this is a topic we could spend a few hours on just by itself. But, like... Oh, that's easy. Uh, just music video. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Uh, well, just a lot of my games have ended with some song. <laughs> For, for and it's not I mean that's not really planned I, I that's that's just uh uh so what's my real answer like the the question is how do I come up with like how do you know when your game I, is over like, when you've when it's time to what is gonna be like your final level because again like something like plans for the zombies for instance or and Octageddon, you could theoretically just hmm. keep pumping levels out you could just you know change a tile set here and there and you could you know, have like a 30, 40 hour long game. But yep. would that really, 
know, keep people wanting to play it? So the answer is based on your, you know, your team size and, you know, your, the, the man hours you, you're able to put in, you want to scope your game. So it feels like it feels lengthy enough that it's, you are once you're done playing that you feel like, okay, that was a satisfying experience. So it can't be, you know, and then this, this totally depends on the game. However, Depending on, like I was saying about the team size or just how many hours you can put into it, there's just, there's a limit on how long you can make a game. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of just hitting that happy medium of, well, I feel like I feel like this this will be about the right length. Or sometimes some cases it's like your game only allows for this much variations. For instance, there's five stages in Plants vs Zombies. I I tried to come up with a different like something fundamental that changes up the, your 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 base gameplay every stage however there's just there's a limited amount of those that yep. that are still interesting i some might even argue i only came up with four because fog isn't just fog is just i don't know that might have been i maybe maybe i shouldn't have put fog in in retrospect but uh yeah there's just a, a you know some finite amount of designs you can come up with and still keep like Depending on how rich your you know your your game rules are, like you you there's there's only so far you can string certain game designs as well. So when when you feel like you stretched it just the right amount, not too thin, I think that is also a place you could say that's where you put the ending. And then yeah, typically you put some at the ending. You put some final test that you'll that you'll feel good about beating, like that kind of you can showcase all the skills you've built up until then and and that's how you end a game <laughs> and that's how you end a podcast <laughs> uh, i still have a few more questions i okay. i do have to ask okay. you before okay go yeah cuz i can like i said like i am still like buzz i love these kinds of conversations i could sit here for probably another hour or so easily but I know you probably have to get going sometime. My family is going to have to – we'll probably start, like, flicking the lights on off to let me know everyone's <laughs> trying to go to sleep soon. But um, a few quick – or I hope quick things to end on. I guess one thing I wanted to ask, what are your thoughts on the uh, Garden Warfare franchise, like that kind of spinoff of Plants vs. Zombies? I always thought that was like <laughs> – it was one of those ideas, like, the first thing I heard about, like, this sounds just messed up. And then, like everyone started loving that game. <laughs> I've heard. I, I've I've heard. I've heard a lot. Yeah, there there. People say that series is really good. I personally, I don't really play first person shooters, so I I, um, I haven't gotten too far into that series. I remember also when first hearing about it, I was I was just completely <laughs> astounded, and that was my first thought. My first thought was, what what is? And, and then my second thought was, wait. Plants can't move, <laughs> so that was my my second thought. And then I did uh, I did get to play, you know, just um, I played a couple hours of it, and yeah, it, well, for me it was just neat to see. So uh, in Plants vs Zombies, Rich Rich the Rich Warner, the artist, and me, we were just like we were so used to like this. It, it felt like a much smaller like much more humble like here's the here's the scale of it we are just we're doing 
you know, 2D, 2D sprites with like just a little bit of like skeletal animation. And to see these designs kind of like place put somewhere where you know, oh, like so much work was put into like making these 3D models look so like detailed and just generally awesome. That's kind of that is the the just kind of the biggest impact that the game has had on me just due to not just the I have a genre bias, right? Like I just don't play those kind of games in general. So uh the yeah just seeing these characters come to life and right these these environments which also look like they they took a lot of time it's just kind of like seeing like for instance if you i i it's probably the same as if you did like you know if you're a comic strip artist and someone took your comic strip and made it into like a full like 3d graphics movie like it's kind of the same progression and that's just what's wows me <laughs> a lot um yeah and from what i've seen they've generally kept in spirit with of of kept you know kept the game in spirit of plants vs zombies just sense of like style and humor like there was a wasn't there a zombie that shot dolphins at things that's that's a-okay by me (laughs) all right (laughs) <laughs> um, another question I wanted to ask you really fast we didn't get too much into Octogen well again if you're up for it I you know I'll have you back whenever you want but we'll talk I do want to talk about Octogen from a design point in at some point in our cast but I guess what I guess are there any plans to do more content with Octogen or have you kind of uh, put a ribbon on that game so, as you may have heard, Octagon is coming out on Switch in eight days from now. So that is that is some that is the we've announced. That is all that uh, that is all that is uh, coming for Octagon in the horizon. And as far as uh, as far as like, is there going to be lots more Octagon content beyond this? Um, I how do I not give too much away, but keep it like, let's say, let's say there are a few avenues I would like to pursue, but I'm also kind of to start something fresh as well. How about that? All right. So no teasers for the fans watching then right now. At least not yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All if right. there's stuff coming down the pipeline, you, you will, we'll let you hear about it in the coming months. All right. Well, I think, again, like, if this seems like a good stop point, we, again, we could spend another hour just reminiscing about games, but <laughs> I think this is a good as time as any to wrap things up. Again, George, it has been a definite pleasure having you on. I know we kind of talked more generally about game design, but it was definitely a fascinating conversation, to be sure. Yeah, it was, it was, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. No problem. And again, congratulations on the success and definitely the impact of Plants vs. Zombies. I posted my review of Octagon, I think, earlier today. I really enjoyed that Ooh. one as well. And yeah, I am oh, definitely great. interested to see what you where you come up with next. Me too. <laughs> That's good. That's a good answer. Right? But yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for having me. That, that was really great.
Not a problem. You want if you wouldn't mind hanging on the Discord call for like thirty seconds, I just have a few ravel questions when we end the stream. Yeah, but, sure. Uh, my final question then for you, or final thing is, do you have anything you'd like to say to the fans to end this cast on? Well, I would just like to say thanks. You know, I see you in I see you in the chat. Thanks for all that. Con- I type in here. I am. I don't think I have an account set up. So yeah, hello chat <laughs> and fans. Uh, just, it's just, I don't know, like, it's all I could ever have, like, dreamed of to just make something, like, I'm talking Plants vs. Zombies, make something of that this has this reach, and it wouldn't have had this, like, it wouldn't have had it if it wasn't for just there who played and loved the game, and so just, I guess, just thanks for helping me feel like I've completed my life mission. (laughs) So right. thanks for that. No problem. And I hate to do this. I just saw one final question put you on the spot, George. What is your favorite okay. zombie in Plants vs. Zombies? It's the Gargantuar. All right. Yeah. Because <laughs> he can hold a telephone pole yeah. or a duck crossing sign, <laughs> which is – I that always cracks me up. And then all, another zombie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Again, I could sit here like I'm still jazz. I'm not going to sleep well time. I'm going to be still thinking about design <laughs> topics for the next few hours. But again, thank you so much for coming on. When you are free again, yeah. you know, we can I'm more than happy to have you back on. Yeah, hopefully it gives you lots of inspiration. Mm-hmm. For Just sure. More stuff to talk about. So yeah, yeah. that was that was great. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. So for everyone watching us live or recorded right now, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're watching this record and would like an ad-free version, be sure to check out the Patreon link down below. Or if you'd just like to support the channel and what I do, we have our Discord channel open for everyone. If you'd like to talk about game design and random topics, it is linked down there as well. For the live people watching this, there will not be a game stream since it's almost uh, 1 in the morning here. <laughs> so it's a little too late to start like a 2-3 to three hour gameplay right now. But I'll be back around 9, 9.30 EDT for our next stream. And if you are a designer and like to come on talk, we're always looking for new guests. So feel free to uh, get in touch with me. But again, George, thank you so much for coming on. Best of luck with whatever your next game may be. And like I said, uh, when you're free, I am more than happy to, uh, again, reminisce about any <laughs> console or genre for a few hours. Rock and roll! There we go. Exactly. <laughs> All right, everyone. So I, with that, that is going to be our ending. So have a great night, and I'll see you guys tomorrow night. Until then, take care.